0: Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. We have finally gotten the debate on ending gender modification on kids. The Calendars Committee in the Texas House removed all the tags and finally got around to placing this bill on the calendar. Now we're gonna discuss what a tag is, why the calendars committee has been dragging their feet on addressing controversial issues, and also the fact that of the big three, the speaker, the lieutenant governor, and the governor, we've discussed a lot of things going on in the legislature in the last five or six weeks, but one of the figures that hasn't come up very often is the governor. And that's because he's been largely silent on many of the issues facing our state. We're gonna talk about why that might be the case and what could change if the governor decides to step in and lead on many of the policies that the legislature is discussing. Let's get to the show. News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Last Thursday afternoon, I sent out a tweet. I said, breaking. Texas Legislative Calendars Committee, unanimously tagged Senate Bill 14, refusing to place it on the May 1st calendar. They also opted against meeting Saturday, looks like they continue to make sure that they quote unquote run out of time, and pass Senate Bill 14 later in session to take up hours used to kill other bills. This tweet got, more traction than normal. It got like 18,000 views and I was called about it. I was texted about it. I got calls from Republican leaders, conservative activists. I had people calling me saying, I've had a conversation with this member of the legislature. This is what they're telling me. This is what they're telling me the calendars committee is saying. Some people who said, I talked to members of the calendars committee and this is what they told me. It started a big conversation. Now today, Actually, let's rewind. The next day, the calendars committee got together and placed Senate Bill 14 on Tuesday's calendar today. So we're going to actually hear this bill and we are going to pass a bill, as long as it stays in its current form, that is a strong ban on the mutilation of Texas children is this has brought up a bigger conversation about what the Calendars Committee is, what a TAG is, and this is a really important concept to understand as we're in the final weeks of the legislative session. So let me tell you what I would define a TAG is, and I'll tell you how it's practiced in the Texas House. A TAG is action that a member of the Calendars Committee takes to prevent the placement of a bill on a calendar. That is what a tag is. Now here's what's interesting. When you talk to members of the legislature about what a tag is, they almost all give you different definitions. And calendars, chairman in the past have avoided this word. There have been debates on the House floor over a rule that Representative Tinderholt has authored that just says, hey, we will not have any tagging in the Texas House of Representatives. And everyone votes that down. They vote, down a ban on tagging when the term tagging is not found anywhere in the rules and can't actually be defined. Let me tell you how it practically plays out. A policy, let's say a Republican policy, gets debated in a committee, gets voted out of that committee, and gets reported to calendars. Now, it only has a certain amount of time to survive. And within 30 days, the calendars committee has to take action on that bill one way or the other. But what the calendar's chairman, Dustin Burroughs, allows Democrat members of calendars committee to do is to tag a bill. And the way to think about it is imagine a piece of legislation is moving across the finish line. It, is, it has forward momentum to get to the floor and a Democrat member simply puts their finger on the bill. And so for that meeting that the calendars committee has or for that day or for that week, The chairman says, I will not move this bill. You will talk to members of the legislature about certain good policy that's in calendars committee and say, hey, we need to get this bill out. And they will respond with a statement like, it is sustaining a few tags, but it will be out soon. Now, there's no actual rule which means that the calendars committee could take action at any time. And if you attend a calendars committee meeting, let me tell you what you you would walk into. So if you attend any policy meeting in the Texas House, you would walk in and they would hear a bill and they would debate the bill and they would ask questions and members would literally tell the chair, I'm concerned about this bill. And the chair might say, well, I think your concerns are invalid and here's why. And they'll ask the witness of bill's questions. If you walk into a calendars committee meeting, They walk into the meeting, they sit down and the chairman, Dustin Burroughs, says the chair recognizes Representative Patterson or Representative Guerin or representative in certain calendars committee member name to propose a calendar. And then he pulls up a list, which, by the way, is already printed. Everybody already knows they're not deciding. They're not debating. He just says Representative Guerin or Patterson moved to place the following bills on the calendar on major state. Boom, 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 boom and each number gets listed. And then he says resolutions, blah, 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 blah. insert resolutions. And then he says, other general calendar items include, and he reads every single bill number, HB 123, HB 237, HB 376. When he finishes, he says, clerk will call the roll. And every single member of the room says, I, 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 I. That's what happens. So understand what happened last session is Representative Burroughs got up and on the very last calendar, that a gender modification ban could pass. He said, this is the motion that's made, and he read a long list. And at the very end of that list, at the very bottom of the calendar, where it was going to get killed and everyone knew it, was a ban on gender modification. And the whole room said, I, 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 Why? Because. They voted to kill that bill by placing it so far down the calendar. But you have to understand that like, you can't disagree with the calendars, chairman. Otherwise, you're never put back on calendars. So the other committees in the Texas House of Representatives, certain people with certain seniority can get on any given committee. But calendars is 100% selected by the Speaker of the Texas House. If you ever in a calendars committee said, Mr. Chair, I disagree with the list you put out, um, I'm... I don't I want to can I ask the person who's proposing this why that bill is so low or why this bill is not on the list? Everyone would literally act like you had just done the most offensive thing ever. And you definitely wouldn't be appointed to the calendars committee next session. A tag is something Republican leadership allows Democrats to do to slow down the process. And if a House bill is going to pass and go to the Senate to be considered, it has to pass the House by next Thursday. We are nine days away. So Democrats are delaying as many things as humanly possible to hold up conservative policy. And Senate bills can only survive for another week or so, and so, They need to keep as many Senate bills back as possible. Now, the Texas Senate literally got together and said, we know how this process works and we need to get the good stuff out quickly. We need to get the good stuff out soon. And they passed all of these different Republican policies. And many of them are sitting in the Texas House. So what the House does is it needs to bottleneck, it needs to create a traffic jam. So the reason that last week as the House was setting all these various calendars, they didn't set Senate Bill 14, is because if they had had the debate last Thursday or Friday, then it would have been done. And the gender modification ban would be going to the governor. So instead, they need to push it back. It needs to take up time this week so that some other bill that otherwise would pass gets to be pushed further and gets to ultimately be killed by the process. They know the clock is our enemy as conservatives and is their friend as the established hierarchical order of the Texas House. And so this is what they're doing. Gender modification has to pass this session. The Texas House killed it two years ago. They have to pass it this session. We know that that's a great victory and it should be something that Texans rejoice in. We made this happen. We forced their hand. But you have to understand that they are going to still use even the victories they give Republicans and conservatives to kill other Republican and conservative policy. And that's what's happening. So thank God we're passing the bill. And also understand this, the Calendars Committee in the Texas House of Representatives is intentionally creating a bottleneck. They know where the clock's at and they know a lot could die and they're creating an environment where a lot of it's going to die and then they're going to say, man, we just ran out of time. Don't fall for that excuse. Before we get to Governor Abbott, I want to talk to you about both a podcast we have here at Texas Scorecard and a book that just came out. And this is Reflections on Life and Liberty by Michael Quinn Sullivan. Now, he also has a podcast here at Texas Score called Reflections on Life and Liberty. And uh, in this book, this is a lot of Michael's insights into, let's say, what the type of principles that build a foundation that you need to have to be able to navigate the political process. Now, here's the thing. One of the things I've realized the longer I've been in Texas politics is that far too often I will meet um, a conservative activist or a Republican, lifelong Republican donor or, you know, precinct chairman, staff for Republican lawmakers in Austin, even elected officials themselves. Local elected officials, county, city, school board, state. And often like they just don't have. An actual foundation of principles that they are able to filter all of the various debates and policies. Not only the actual policy that they are debating, but then the actual conflicts that they find themselves in in politics. And so Michael, who has been in this fight for decades, he's been, the day I walked in when I was 16 years old and started getting involved in politics, Michael Quinn Sullivan was very involved in the process. And he has not only been providing a lot of the insight via his podcast, but he's now published this book, Reflections on Life and Liberty by Michael Quinn Sullivan. So I would encourage y'all to go to Amazon, buy the book, read it. I think you will learn a lot from it. Um, and I think it will help prepare you to be further engaged in Texas politics. Somebody who could probably read Michael's book, in my opinion, is Governor Abbott. That would be really helpful. It would be really helpful for Governor Abbott to actually have some reflections on life and liberty and then figure out, as the governor of the state, how is he supposed to engage in the battle? And I'll tell you something, he's largely not engaging. Now, here's how it works. The Senate has a bunch of stuff they're pushing. The House has a bunch of stuff they're pushing. And the governor is largely on the sidelines. Now, we've given him credit on the issue of school choice. Like never before, Governor Abbott has stepped in and said, I need to see school choice. He's demanding it. The Texas House of Representatives has kind of given him the proverbial middle finger, but he's still demanding it. And we'll see what the House does. But he is putting more pressure and demanding on that particular policy than he ever has. On most of the other issues, though, he's silent. Now, occasionally he will do something like, say... I would sign that bill if it came to my desk. That's like code for maybe I kind of support this bill, but I don't want to say it because that way, if it dies, it's not like they ignored my request. So if the governor said, I'm asking the Texas House of Representatives to pass a ban on DEI at the university level, then if they ignored him, he would look weak because then he would have to decide what to do to all these people that just completely ignored his request. So what he'll say is, we need to ban DEI in universities and I look forward to signing a bill. Now, when that bill passes the Senate, gets stuck in the House Higher Education Committee and sits there with no hearing, governor doesn't say anything. He doesn't put out a follow-up conversation that says, hey, um, there's only another week for this bill to be heard in committee. I would really like to see it heard. You won't see that from the governor. When I came into the legislature, as an observer and a staffer. I was a 17-year-old intern in my dad's office and Rick Perry was governor at the time. Rick Perry was a legislator before he was governor. He knew how the legislative process worked and he was very active in it. Literally, I remember being in the gallery and watching Governor Perry on the floor of the Texas House. He would walk up to a member, hey man, I got this bill I'm working on. Can you sign on to it? What's going on? Why aren't you supporting my, my policy? And then he'd start talking to them, what bills are you working on? You got any problems? Well, I got this bill hung up in this committee. Well, let's go talk to the chairman. He'd walk over with them to the chairman. Hey, why can't this guy get a hearing on his bill? I like his bill. Do you like his bill? All of a sudden, he's putting these chairmen on the spot, having to figure out what their position is with the governor of Texas sitting there watching. Governor Abbott started his political career as a judge, a district judge, then a Supreme Court judge, then an attorney general. And he was the heir apparent. He basically inherited the governor's office from Governor Perry with a $20 million war chest. By the time he took over, though, he sees his role politically as one of a judge more often than not. And so he sits back and he watches these two chambers disagree and he doesn't like picking sides. He hates it. He avoids it at all costs. The Texas Senate had a bill that was gonna ban all purchases of land by Chinese nationalists. The governor said, this is a great bill and I need to get it to my desk. The problem is many Republicans in the Senate clearly didn't support it. And so in order for it to get to the floor, compromises had to be made and different carve outs had to be made to where now it only applies to agriculture exempt land, as well as water, oil and gas minerals, things that are mined, timber, It is still a much better bill than what the House has, which is just agriculture exempt land. But nowhere in that process did the governor come in and say, hey, I'm very concerned that there are people opposing this great bill that I have said is awesome. He just let it get chopped down. Now it goes to the House. Now the House is pushing only agriculture exempt land. So what's the governor's thought on that? Well, you know what the governor said? I love that bill that exempts agriculture exempt land. Okay, so you like the bill that exempts it all, and you like the bill that exempts none of it. What's going on, governor? What's your position? Do you want the agriculture exempt or do you want the one that says all of it can't be purchased? I love it. That's his response. The Senate has a property tax plan. The House has a property tax plan. The governor's asked, what do you think? More often now, he's like, I love property tax relief. I like the Senate and the House for both pushing property tax relief. He doesn't like picking sides. So when the Texas Senate passes a, a ban, on drag shows in the presence of children, we don't know what the governor believes. When the Texas House looks like it's killing it, we don't know what the governor thinks. And if the Texas House does kill that bill, we still won't know what the governor thinks. This is the approach he generally takes. In the next two weeks, if Governor Abbott at any point steps up to the plate and actually says, hey, Texas House, deliver the DEI ban in higher education, they will act, or they will suffer the consequences of directly ignoring the governor. If he says, Texas House, we need to stop drag shows in the presence of kids, they will take action. I think the State Affairs Committee will move that bill. But if there's no major political figure coming in and demanding these type of actions be taken, then the Texas House is gonna do what the Texas House does best, which is kill a significant amount of conservative policy while passing just enough, a lot of times they're passing bills this time that they may be killed two years ago to to cover, and then the new conservative policy that's shown up as of the war that we're in in the last year or two, the Senate passes out, and then the House kills it this time, and then with enough pressure, they might kill it next. They might pass it next time. That's the situation we're in, and if Governor Abbott decides to speak into that, he could have a very positive effect for Republicans and conservatives. And if he continues to stay on the sidelines as much as possible, it will negatively affect the outcome of the session as a whole. I, for one, hope that he decides to engage. And I'm very grateful that many of you are engaging. I get text messages, I get emails, I get calls all the time from Texans across the state. I talk to my legislator, I talk to this person, we're organizing some people, we're coming down to the Capitol, we're pushing this different issue. Conservative groups that are sending out voter alerts, And telling members what to do. And I see it every day on the House floor, particularly. Bills get delayed. Amendments get added on. Things get stymied. The conservative pushback that's happening in the legislative process is having a tangible effect. Numerous fights were had on the House floor that were, that came down to two, three, four, five, six, seven votes on amendments that would have gutted great legislation like HB 44, the Medicaid discrimination bill, which could be one of the biggest medical freedom wins in modern history. Or there was a great charter school bill that Glenn Rogers from Parker County, Palo Pinto County, Stevens County, decided to try to gut with all the teacher unions and Democrats. And that amendment failed, which is a good thing, but it failed by a vote of 72 to 70. So if you're some of those activists that I know that worked really hard, in your given primary elections to make sure that the more conservative person won, there are a handful of victories that we had in the last Republican runoff that could have single-handedly delivered that charter school policy win. So thank you to every single one of you who are actively involved in this process and are listening and engaging with this show and are sharing it with your friends. The growth we've seen over the session is considerable. And I think that's due to so many of you sharing this with more people you know. May God bless you and may God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.